You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Charles Koch turned his father's small business into one of the most profitable private companies in America. Now he's heavily focused on giving back to his community. On this episode of Peer to Peer, Charles Koch and the head of his philanthropic endeavors, Brian Hooks, sit down with me to discuss how they are applying to his philanthropic work the principles that made Charles so successful in business. Charles and Brian, welcome to our show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, David. Appreciate it. Now, both of you have co-authored a new book called Believe in People. You are, Charles, 85 years old, and most people who are business people are 85 years old are not writing books about uh, social entrepreneurship or philanthropy. They're doing other things. Why did you decide at this age you wanted to write another book with Brian? Well, actually, it's, uh, I started on this book or doing the research probably 60 years ago with these ideas. And, uh, and then I started writing it five years ago. And my uh, gifts, whatever they are, are mainly in abstract concepts, math, other abstract concepts. So the book was mainly about theory and history. It wasn't measuring up. And in the meantime, under, under Brian's leadership at Stand Together, we were using these ideas to empower more people, to actually show how it works today and transforms people's lives. And so I said at the end, I said, Brian, I don't have a book that I believe will do what I want. Uh, you need to come in and, and help me finish it, get it re, re, restructured. And that's what he did. The reason I wrote it is, is and I started on it five years ago, is, is I wanted to help everybody have the benefit of the ideas that transformed my life and enabled me to achieve more than I ever believed possible and have done so for many others. And those are basically what I call the principles of human progress. And those start with recognizing that everyone has a gift. Everyone has something to offer, which they will do if they're empowered to do so. The essence of your uh, philanthropic philosophy and your life philosophy, if I could put it in my words, is that it's bottom up, not top down. In other words, empower people at the bottom and let them make decisions and let those filter up as opposed to people at the top telling people at the bottom what to do. Is that more or less correct? Well, it's, yeah, but it's, I mean, this starts with, with recognizing that everyone has something to offer. And if they're not, and they're not contributing, uh, we need to work with them and we can to empower them. So they, all the institutions in society need to be focused on that rather than telling them what to do and limiting them and stifling them. Okay. 
Uh, Brian, in addition to writing this book together, how have you two worked together over the years? Well, I've, I've worked uh, with Charles in one way or another for 20 years now. And so Stand Together is a philanthropic community. We work with several hundred business leaders and philanthropists to try to improve our effectiveness in helping empower people to live better lives. Now, running Stand Together must be uh, not easy, but you have no gray hair. How come? <laughs> <laughs> I hide it well. I hide it well. To say, it's been 20 okay. years and they've been uh, productive but long years. He gets to work okay. with me, David. That's, I mean, that keeps it. I, I have all the gray hair. <laughs> well, it's like me. My hair is dark, but I dye it gray, so I look more mature. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Brian, let me ask you a question. Um, I've been involved a bit in philanthropy myself, and when I decide I want to give money away to somebody, I call them up and they usually are willing to take it or something like that. Why does somebody need your organization to help them give away the money that they already have? What do you do for somebody that they can't do themselves? Well, the, the whole thesis of Stand Together and, and what we've learned over the last 20 years or so is that as effective as individuals can be on their own, we can all be more, more effective. We have a greater impact when we pool our knowledge and we combine our resources. So give you an example, you know, one of the issues that we've worked on uh, a lot is criminal justice reform. And, and criminal justice system, which is, you know, full of terrible tragedies, has been kind of stuck in a rut for, you know, at least a generation. And there's been a lot of good attempts to try to make progress, but they tended to be kind of narrowly focused. And the real breakthrough in criminal justice came when we combined a whole lot of different uh, projects, a whole lot of different programs, and it was that combination that allowed us to kind of unstick the system and now make some real progress. So let's talk about racial related issues. The Black Lives Matter issue has brought racial in, uh, inequality to the forefront. How has your company tried to address this by being more inclusive or dealing with the problems that often uh, people who are African-American might have in our society? Not only the company, but, but stand together. And our views on this is is we welcome this conversation about that, about racial inequalities. In, in and when I look at the situation today, it's a case of the sins of the fathers being visited on the sons for seven generations. I mean, you look at, at what, what this country practiced. I mean, slavery, reconstruction with horrors, uh, separate, not but equal, separate but unequal. And so today, whether there's racism in it or not, we have institutional bias that is holding uh, black Americans back. And so that's why we're working on criminal justice reform, on changing the educational system, uh, changing regulations such as occupational licensure, which keeps people who start with nothing from competing and so on through through, the, through all the institutions in society. We're working to change those, to bring that into, uh, into true system of equal rights and mutual benefit. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
Now, the truth is, most people in the world do not know Charles Koch for being a gigantic philanthropist. They know you for running this gigantic privately owned company. So I'd like to talk a little bit about how that came about. So uh, you grew up in, and you were born in Kansas. Wichita, right? Wichita, Kansas, yes. You grew up there. Your father was a person who didn't say, you know, I'm going to pamper you and I want you to uh, have a nice spoiled life. He made you work pretty hard. Is that right? Oh, my God. Is that true? No, he he announced to me early that he didn't want me to be a country club bum. He wanted me to amount to something. So he had me work uh, at in all my spare time, starting at age six. This is hard to believe, but but we have photographs of me doing it. So you um, ultimately went off to um, MIT, a pretty good school. What did you want to be when you went to MIT? I had no idea. I Well, I knew the reason I went to MIT is the language was math rather than English. And I was so much better at math than English that I thought I'd have a better chance of succeeding there. And so... Uh, so I, I started taking different courses, and I took so many different ones trying to find something I was good at, how I could apply this gift to help me contribute and succeed. And, uh, and I took so many that I, I couldn't get a degree in any specific subject, so I got it in general engineering. And then I said, well, I need, I, I need something more specific. So I thought nuclear was the wave of the future, and I would have entrepreneurial opportunities in the future from that. When I got in it, got my degree, uh, my master's degree in nuclear engineering, I learned that, no, it, it, people are really worried about safety, so it's going to be so controlled and regulated, I, don't, I won't have those opportunities. So I went back and got a master's in chemical engineering. Okay. So the last thing you wanted to do was to go back to Kansas and work for your father, I assumed, since he was a little bit of a hard taskmaster. So you went to work for Arthur D. Little, which is a consulting firm in the Boston area. Is that right? Right. I got in management consulting and I got to consult on things that were abstractions like uh, strategies and innovation. And I said, wow, this is this is it. I need to be an entrepreneur. And and, and so there were a lot of companies coming out of MIT from professors and students I knew. I said, well, I'm gonna, I want to join one of these startups and invest some and, and start a career as an entrepreneur. Okay. So how did your father lure you back from the Boston area to Kansas to work for him, which you didn't think was probably going to be that much fun. Well, I told, the first time he asked me, I said, I said, Pop, no, I got, I got my career ideas and I want to be independent. And, and so he called me back and he said, son, uh, as you know, my health is poor. It's so poor that I'm not really able to lead the company anymore and it's not doing well and I don't have long to live. So either you come back to run it or I'll sell it and I'll let you run this business that, that you already own an interest in that makes fractionating trays uh, any way you want to start with. And the only thing you need my approval on is to sell it. And I said, well, I don't, wow. I said to myself, I don't think I'm gonna get a better opportunity than this. So I came back and he was absolutely true to his word. He, he totally turned it over to me and then got me in the other businesses. And I was able to contribute from the beginning, but I still didn't feel whole. 
So everybody who's watching this will want to know, how do you take a 12 million revenue company to roughly 120 billion revenue company without going public? What is the key secret to doing that? Well, the secret was that that I was, as I said, I didn't feel I was fully using my capabilities. It's what what Maslow said. If if you're not fully developing your capacities and realizing your potential, you may be externally successful, but you will be deeply unhappy because you won't be fulfilling your nature. As he said, what you can be, you must be. And I hadn't read Maslow then, but that caused me to read Maslow and to search for these principles of human progress. So I read everything I could from all different, all relevant disciplines, all different perspectives to find principles that I could use and apply in the business and my life to enable me to believe in myself. And and I started to apply them in business and they worked. They worked beyond my belief and beyond anything I hoped for. And that absolutely transformed my life. And so my whole life has been looking for principles that will enable me to contribute uh, or improve the, the principles we're implying and better apply them. And, and so every day is like I'm reborn. Okay, and you've said over your dead body will this company ever go public, is that right? Well, I, I didn't mean that literally, but, uh, okay. but, but probably. You're not, you're not intending to take it public, right? No, no absolutely. No, it's, uh, I don't, we couldn't have done what we did if we were public, I don't believe. Um, I, I don't know your company really that well. It seems to be in the oil and refining businesses, but uh, things like that, a lot of technical things. But one of the companies you bought, the biggest acquisition you ever made was Georgia Pacific. And when I read that in the newspapers, I said, what are they buying a forestry company for? And it seems to have worked out extremely well from reading the newspapers. Um, what was your thinking about Georgia Pacific? I was just curious as a business matter. Well, our, uh, what drives us and what's made us successful is we started uh, by understanding and applying uh, the principles of human progress. And then we, we, we took those and codified them into a management framework that we call market-based management, and that has five dimensions. And then we use that to create virtuous cycles of mutual benefit, which, as I say, starts with building capabilities that will enable us to create value for others. So we've never considered ourselves as industry-bound. We consider ourselves capability-bound. So we're constantly trying to build new capabilities that will open new opportunities. And then when we get, uh, 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 get in a new opportunity, then that leads to us building new capabilities, which leads to new opportunities. And that's why we're all these things. And the only place we're... We're in producing uh, fossil fuels is in refining. Uh, we're out of all the others, and that's now just a fraction of our total business, whereas a decade ago, it was like half. Now, you point out in your book that uh, you're a large producer of ethanol, refiner of ethanol, which reuses corn and, and so forth, but that you're against the subsidies the federal government is giving to ethanol. Now, doesn't that cause you some problems in your business world when you're against the subsidies, but you're actually doing a lot of the ethanol production? We oppose all subsidies, all 
uh, all restrictions on competition, innovation, or, or, or providing opportunities to, to people who start with nothing. We're, we oppose all those, and, uh, and, and it's not just ethanol. Like, we oppose the, the, the border adjustment tax, although that would make us a lot of money by raising the price of, our, uh, of, of consumer goods for our customers. And because we believe, I mean, it's not altruistic. It's because we believe we succeed by creating value for others. I mean, we want to be the preferred partners of, of all our constituencies, everybody and every group that's important to us. And the way you do it is by creating value for them, applying mutual benefit. So, uh, Charles, um, you are a teenager by the standards of some people who are running companies. Warren Buffett, I think, has just celebrated his 90th <laughs> birthday. So you're, you know, five years younger than him. And so I assume you could keep doing this for quite a while. Uh, do you have any plans to make certain that the company will be continue to run by a family? You know, your father started the company. You've been running it for a long time. Uh, does your family have any interest in running it or are you going to eventually turn it over to a professional managers? We have multiple people who could lead it, and but I won't be the one deciding that. It'll be the board of directors. And my son wouldn't want it unless he felt that he was the best one who could make the most company most successful in, in, in continuing to apply these ideas to create value in society. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. So a number of years ago, um, you decided uh, to get involved a little bit more than you had been in politics by supporting candidates or so forth. And as a result of that, your image became very much, let's say, right wing and let's say anti-democratic in some respects, some people might say. How are you now trying to change what you did a number of years ago, getting involved in, in political causes or so forth? Well, I was, uh, I, I started in this work uh, nearly 60 years ago, and for the first 50, I wasn't involved in politics at all. And then we, we decided we needed to uh, get policies as well as, these, the, as work with these other institutions uh, that will empower people, that will move us closer to a system of equal rights and mutual benefit. And so uh, we got into it, uh, uh, by some, uh, in a partisan way in, in 2010. That was the first election we, we got in. And so we tried that for a few years, and it wasn't that successful, and it, it was many ways counterproductive. So now our, our work in, in politics is, is on a nonpartisan basis. We're looking for champions who will, who will advocate for policies that will empower people uh, rather than get try to get power over them, which stifles people. The thing about it is, and, and as we go into in the book, you know, 
at any given time, politics has never been more than 10% of all of the efforts that, that we've been involved with. Uh, but it's taken an outsized uh, view in terms of people's understanding of our work. When, when we did get involved in politics, we learned quickly that partnership works a whole lot better than partisanship. And so as Charles says, that's the, the approach we're taking now in public policy and politics. Not doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. If you've got a vision for policy that can improve people's lives, we want to partner with you. And we found that that works really, really well, even under some pretty challenging circumstances. Obviously, most people like to be liked by other people. I, I think that's the case. And so for a while, when you were involved in politics, you were the ogre for some people on the def- Democratic Party side or the left side. Did that bother you? And are you trying in any way to change the image that you got? Or are you basically saying, I'm doing what I'm going to do and I don't care about the image so much? Well, I mean, we need to we need to attract support. So we want that. But as I've said, my main driver through my life is to believe in myself. And so I have to do what I think is right, what uh, what will allow me to to fully develop my capabilities and use them to contribute. And so that's what I do. And but I when we have criticisms and I uh, to me, that's Karl Popper's uh, scientific method, develop a, a proposition or an innovation and then not go around and find things to support it but find challenges to it, encourage challenges to it to find the flaws in it. So when, when, when we're criticizing an attack, we look at, okay, what are we doing wrong? And then part of what we saw, well, we're approaching this in a partisan way. That's wrong. We've got to approach this in a, in a nonpartisan way. So, uh, Charles, let me ask you, um, I, I noticed from politics, reading the pe- papers, that you were not involved in uh, a Republican campaign for President for President Trump. You were not uh, involved with his campaign, as far as I could see, and so forth. And um, so, you, you know, you've distanced yourself from that Republican president. Suppose the new president-elect, uh, um, Joe Biden, were to call you and say, look, uh, I'd like to hear your views. I want bipartisanship. What would you tell him he should do? And would you be willing to consult with him? Oh, absolutely, and and we hope to find ways, and and we 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 believe there are a number of ways that uh, that uh, we can find common ground on, uh, and that what I would say, okay, let's uh, we can help you when when you're pushing policies that that show you believe in people, that you want to empower people. So, so they, so they can contribute and succeed, and 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 when you're when you have policies that we believe will stifle people, and and keep them from realizing their potential, then we'll oppose that, and that's what we've done with with every president. But I've I've never, I, I don't th- I've never talked to, or met a a president elect or a president. I have met them before and after they were presidents, but never when they were. So that's not what I get engaged in. Given your wealth, given your prominence, I would have thought by now some presidents would have invited you to a state dinner or asked you to come in and advise them. So, you know, Ronald Reagan or George Herbert Walker Bush or George W. Bush, they never invited you to the White House for a state dinner and or you didn't want to go or you just didn't no, you yeah, try to they, avoid all that? I have been invited. But I've asked the, the question, not directly with the president, of course, 
But I've asked the question, well, what is it? Are we going to talk about substance or is this just meet, eat, and greet and, and show? And well, it's, it's for show. And I said, well, I'm not interested in show. I'm interested in getting something done. So I, I have not gone to any of them. I, I don't think I've ever been in the White House, in fact. So would you have any interest if President Biden invited you just to come and take a tour of the White House? You wouldn't want to be interested in that just to see what it looks like? Uh, no, I would. If, if he wants to talk about how to empower people, boy, I would be there in a nanosecond. If you had a chance to talk again to your father and say, look what I did, uh, what do you think he would say to you? Was he proud of what you did? Do you want him to be proud? Would you want him to be proud of what you did? I think he would be blown away, just as I am. I mean, I, I can't believe it that we've done that. And I haven't done them. What's, what's accomplished this are these ideas, are these principles. So I just, I happen to learn them and be turned on by them. And, and then they applying them in everything we do and, and then the people do it. That's the, the key. No one person can do all this. You do it by empowering people, empowering your employees, empowering people through society so they can contribute, they can innovate. So if somebody is watching this and they say, all right, Charles Koch is a leader in philanthropy, he's a leader in business and so forth. I would like to be like Charles Koch. What is it, the meaning of leadership to you? How do you become a leader? I think a true leader is someone who makes the people around him better or around her better. And so, so what you have to do is find what you're good at, what your gift is, and focus on that, and then partners partner with those who, with whom you share vision and values and have complementary capabilities. And that's what I've done. So I, I have a narrow range of abilities, and I've, where I've succeeded is when I've partnered with people who were good at all the other things that needed to be done that I wasn't good at, and I've focused on that. And then and then to draw on their knowledge and empower the people around you. So you get the benefit of everybody's knowledge and ability. That's what a leader does. And, and you focus on not what is good for you, but good for the overall organization and good for society. Charles and Brian, I want to thank you very much for an interesting insights into your business life, your philanthropic life. Congratulations on all the philanthropic things you've done. And I'm going to try to take some of your business secrets and see if I can apply them to my own business. I don't think I can do as well as you have done, but congratulations. Thank you, Thanks, David. David. Thanks for listening. To hear more of my interviews, you can subscribe and download my podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. 
Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at cuttereconomicforum.com.